Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. This year's legislative session seems to have multiple bills every single week that would impact our schools, districts, educators, families, and students if passed. Some proposed legislation includes the Parents' Bill of Rights, the Discipline Bill, and the Equity in Education Bill. We are pleased to be joined by some of those who will be directly affected by new legislation and policy, including teachers and students. We are so pleased today to be joined by Xavier Adams, the NCAT 2022 Prudential North Carolina Beginning Teacher of the Year from Orange County Schools, and Dr. Lenora Crabtree, an instructor at the Cato College of Education at UNC Charlotte and the 2012 North Carolina Southwest Regional Teacher of the Year. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Dr. Wolf. As you both know, there are many upcoming bills in the legislature um, that they are considering right now, including the Parent Bill of Rights, a Discipline Bill, the Equality Education Bill, and many others. Can you talk a little bit about the ones that you're thinking about the most? We have to look at these bills both as it relates to uh, intent and impact. Um, as you look across the bills, uh, and if somebody just pulls them up, and, and really the three that you mentioned are what I'm thinking about, uh, you'll see a lot of information that you say, wow, that makes sense, or things that you would agree with, right? Um, and in fact, much of what, particularly in the Parents' Bill of Rights, is, is in the bill are things that are already happening. We've been trying to get, you know, we've been wanting to work with parents and, and working with parents for years. Uh, I think about, you know, trying to get parents to curriculum nights, right? We would often laugh, we can get them to ball games, but it's tough to get folks in a curriculum night. So we've been wanting to engage. But then if you dig deeper, you find these small sections often um, in each of the bills. This legislation is happening across the country. In fact, you'll see very, very similar wording, which makes you say, hmm, where is that coming from? Why, why are so many people using exactly the same words, even at the federal level? Um, and those pieces are what we've got to attend to. Um, because as a veteran teacher and now teacher educator, I think that the impact that we have to look at of those small pieces in each piece of legislation will do harm, particularly to children, to students and families in our schools, and uh, have, I think, a kind of a theme is a chilling effect. Going along with that, there's just a running thread. So all of these bills individually work to do different things. The Parents' Bill of Rights, um, of course, is um, in name wanting to offer greater communication between um, schools and school districts and parents. Um, but then underneath all of that, uh, the language is kind of buried that teachers would be required to, to out-trans students um, to their parents legally, which puts teachers in a difficult position of knowing how to best support and build trust with their students. So much of the success that any teacher has in their classroom is built on the foundation of trust. And so um, when students are now having to worry about, can I be my full self around the teacher? that's already putting an initial roadblock uh, between that level of trust. And then um, also when we're thinking about learning and educational impact, when that trust isn't there, when students don't feel safe in their learning environment, they're not gonna be able to effectively learn, uh, which of course we want all of our students to not only succeed, but excel in North Carolina public schools. Uh, with the, the education bill related to um, equality and education, House Bill 187, 
course, this bill would limit important discussions on uh, race, racism, gender, sexism, all of these parts that are fundamental to uh, just most importantly, our identities, right? I mean, these are stories that make up our lives. These are stories that we experience not just as an academic subject, but as our personal being uh, when we go out to society and we know that our country right now is hurting and how much more important than it is for us as a country to come together and to have honest discussion about these topics, not for the sake of shaming anyone, not for the sake of making anyone feeling guilty or pointing fingers, but so that we collectively can work to build something even greater than what we've ever had as a country together. Um, and then with the discipline bill, um, it just opens up so much room for possibility of students to um, falsely be accused of something or um, if they are held uh, accountable for an action, which of course no one's wanting to shy away from holding students accountable for their actions. We understand that that's a part of being a, a young person and becoming an adult in this society. Um, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to open up the door of opportunity for students to kind of um, vaguely or uh, in a biased manner be held accountable more strictly than their peers. Um, so part of what that bill, of um, House Bill 188 would do is it would really uh, remove some kind of good guidelines that have been put in place previously by the legislator of how do we effectively determine what is a, an offense that we deem uh, kind of on the high end or the extreme end that, you know, maybe a student should be long-term suspended for versus, you know, maybe a student's having a bad day, they're not on their A game, they talk back to a teacher, things like that that are so minor, we wouldn't want students to actually be held accountable for. And so the running thread through all of this, through all of these bills is that it doesn't work to actually support students. And I can speak for myself and I feel comfortable speaking for all educators we got into this work of education because we care about students and we understand that it's so important to extend love and support for our students and these bills are doing the opposite of that. How are we preparing our teachers to support our students and support our students as who they are when they arrive in our classrooms? We are working really hard in these areas, really diligently. And uh, in the area of teacher preparation, I teach a particular course on equity in education. And so we address each of the issues actually that are addressed in these bills. Um, and part of what I find, um, and I, th I think one of the things I'm really interested in, particularly this relates um, specifically to the uh, equality in education bill, um, but I think we can see broader threads, is for us to look at context, right? Why these bills at this time? What, what, what is happening right now that, that, that these issues kind of rose to the surface? Um, and I, as I've thought a lot about that, I think there's some historical you know, stuff we have to acknowledge. There were federal policies, laws, statutes that led to the construction, particularly if we just think about communities and the communities that our schools are in, why they look the way they do. And we had really just begun as a white community, as a white person, this was history that I didn't learn because our black colleagues, many of them in tenuous situations have been teaching this history in their classrooms for years. They've been learning it in their communities, but a lot of white educators didn't even know the history. And now as we learn it and we work with our students together, that threatens the status quo. And the status quo benefits certain individuals and harms many others. Yeah. And, and I think that's really the intent that we've got to talk about and think about. Yeah. 
Well, Xavier is, you know, there's so much here and so much to think about, but as we wrap up, I know we're going to hear from several of your students and how they see this policy making playing out and the potential impact on them. Um, what advice do you have for policymakers and decision makers or those trying to learn more, especially in light of what your students share? So much of what makes a good educator a good educator is also what can make so many adults good parents, good community members, um, good pastors, good business owners, which is that first posture of being willing to listen. Um, and I think so much time we pay a lot of lip service to collecting surveys to collecting data, and very occasionally we might even collect, you know, anecdotes or stories um, from people, but very infrequently do we as a society actually hand over the keys to the young people in our society. So moving beyond that step of just listening, but actually collaborating with students. I think uh, my students will offer their incredible perspectives. They did a lot of research into these bills and the impacts that they see in them. But moving forward, we as a society must also consider what are the ways in which we can collaborate with students, work with students. So much of our world, we do things to students and we don't actually allow them to participate in the creation of their own communities, their own societies, what they desire for themselves, allow them to be empowered to build their own future. And I think that's what I would really encourage all of us to do is to think about how do we walk alongside our students to accomplish that. Well, I thank both of you so much. I've learned today um, and appreciate all your sharing, but also bringing it back right to the heart. Um, we have students and many others who we can listen to about this and knowing what it takes to really educate the whole child. So thank you for all you do every day. After the break, we'll be joined by students from Orange High School and Orange County Schools. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. We are so pleased today to be joined by students from Orange County High School in Orange County. They each wrote articles on the Parents' Bill of Rights, the Anti-CRT Bill, the Onslow County Busing Bill, and the Discipline Bill. They are joining us today to talk about their findings, and what they think needs to happen from a student perspective on legislation. We are so thrilled to be joined today by Bryce Guinness, by Kyrie Jones, by Aidan McCulloch, and by Laviant Lewis. Thank you so much for being here. Each of them will share with us the essay that they wrote as part of their, um, their studies and their work. And I will turn it over to start with Bryce. Hi, my name is Bryce Guinness and I'm a sophomore at Orange High School. And I'll be reading a piece I wrote about Senate Bill 49 and Senate Bill 74, which I have titled, The Future Consequence, The Consequences of Senate Bill 49 for Transgender Youth in the Future of America. My name is Bryce Guinness and I'm transgender. Identifying as transgender, however, is the least important thing about me. I'm a sophomore at Orange High School. I participate in theater. I take all honors classes, and I tutor at one of our local elementary schools on Thursday mornings. Outside of school, I like to draw, skateboard, and hang out with my friends like any other student. I love living in North Carolina. I love the beaches and mountains, our rich history, and all the people I love and care about are here. Living here as a transgender person, especially as a young transgender person, can be disheartening and scary. I worry that I will wake up and be faced with new legislation that will take, a, take away my rights, and Senate Bill 49 isn't proving me wrong. No one, especially a child, should fear that they will have their access to health care or right to safety threatened. 
the danger this bill presents. Quote, prior to, prior to any changes in the name or pronoun used for a student in school records or by school personnel, notice the parent of the change, end quote. This bill, entitled the Parents' Bill of Rights, would make all learning materials visible to parents, allow parents to review what library books their children check out, and includes various other ways for parents to be more informed and involved with their children's education. But this bill is a Trojan horse. It limits LGBTQ curriculum in K through four classrooms and forces teachers to notify parents if their child has a change in name or pronouns. While this bill has some positives for North Carolina education, this bill will put thousands of LGBTQ youth in danger emotionally, mentally, and physically. School is one of the only places where transgender and non-binary youth have trusted adults they can turn to like their counselors, teachers, and other educators. This bill will force teachers to break the carefully cultivated trust established between them and their students by adding them to their parents before they are ready, which can be extremely dangerous. It would prevent open and honest conversations about a student's mental health between them and their support systems at school. It is already known that teachers and educators are underpaid, overworked, and unsupported, and this bill would be an unnecessary addition to their plate. This legislature looks past everything that makes me who I am and only looks at my gender identity. Ironically, though, this legislature makes me feel unseen, unsupported, and scared. Scared not just for myself and my future as a transgender person, but for other trans and non-binary students who are not accepted at home, and we would be put in immediate danger because of this bill. School is a safe space for thousands of kids all over the state, transgender and cisgender. Cisgender meaning you identify with your gender assigned at birth. For many trans and non-binary youth, school is unfortunately the only place where they can freely express themselves through pronouns, gender expression, and names that align with their gender identity. According to the Trevor Project's 2022 National Survey on LGBTQ Mental Health, fewer than one in three transgender and non-binary youth found their home to be gender affirming. If a transgender child discussed their name and pronouns with a teacher, and that teacher then told their parents without their consent, that child risks going back to an unsafe, unwelcoming, and maybe even abusive home. Nearly one in five transgender youth have attempted suicide, and in part, bills like this one are to blame. According to Dr. Jonah, De Jonah DeChant, a research scientist for the Trevor Project, recent political attacks aimed at transgender and non-binary youth have not only threatened their access to healthcare, support systems, and affirming spaces at school, they've also negatively impacted their mental health. When we threaten the livelihoods of transgender youth, we threaten the lives of the future of America, the future doctors, teachers, presidents, and parents. Transgender youth are an exponentially higher risk for suicide, discrimination, and being unaccepted, especially among transgender youth of color. Transgender youth are in danger not only in North Carolina, but all over the country, and we must do what we can to protect the transgender youth in our communities and schools. An alternative, Senate Bill 74. I do not aim to limit how parents are involved with their children's education. I believe that parents being involved with their children's education is very important, and I believe that other aspects of this bill will be very valuable to North Carolina's educational system. That's why Senate Bill 74 should be passed. This bill is an alternative to Senate Bill 49 that would reinforce the communication between students, parents, and their teachers and the parents' rights within their child's school. It would allow student parents, it would allow parents to view their children's education materials, data, and statistics about their education and ensure representation at school board meetings, a learning environment free of discrimination, and a right to feel safe at school, all without potentially outing transgender youth to their parents. North Carolina, North Carolina education and the safety of North Carolinian transgender and non-binary youth is at stake. All students deserve to feel safe and respected at school 
and the consequences of this bill of these bills will affect not just the present day North Carolina, but the future of the world. Next, we will hear from Kyrie Jones, another student at Orange County High School. My name is Kyrie Jones. I'm a senior at Orange High School. And the title of my article is, Policies are not always as they seem, a student's perspective, written on House Bill 188. Inconsistency in the enforcement of school rules and policies can cause, mental can cause students mental distress, especially when the punishments given are harsh. One day, a person I am acquainted with was rushing to class to beat the bell before it rang. The teacher saw her effort to get down the hallway in time, but closed the door as soon as the bell went off. She then had to go to the office to receive a late slip, and she was reminded of the potential for de detention, depending on how many tardies she had. This experience was saddening for her because when her white counterparts were faced with the same situation, they were allowed to enter the classroom on a warning. The forgiving of white students being late to class has happened on multiple occasions at my school. In scenarios like this, the punishment feels harsh. The punishment feels unfair because the people in power are inconsistent in a way that seems to be motivated by race. It can be so noticeable that students feel the need to address this issue. Problems like this make me feel uncomfortable. Will I be a target of malicious punishment? At school and in society, I shouldn't have to think about how to avoid living through a scenario like one I've just written about. I write today to talk about the effect that proposed House Bill 188 will have if it's passed. At face value, it wants to pass policies that minimize the use of long-term suspension and expulsions and expulsion for students across North Carolina. Initially, this seems to be a positive thing and it hits at an effort to lower the suspension and expulsion rates through the better behavior of students. The bill will make it so that students shall only receive punishment if they commit acts that are deemed as serious violations. However, I see a future where, the aspect, where this aspect of the bill is, will be taken advantage of, intentionally or unintentionally, in a, way that, in a way that lowers the rates at which white students are being punished while maintaining or increasing the rate at which students of colors are punished. I'll elucidate. While I understand that the bill advises schools to create policies in a way to ensure that students of different backgrounds are not punished disproportionately, I also know that people can unintentionally create unfair results. People subconsciously and unconsciously enforce harsher punishments on students of color. Oftentimes in society, people of color are viewed as older than they actually are, which causes people of color to be held to stricter expectations, thus having less room to mess up compared to their white peers. We see this reality play out when we examine the media coverage of white offenders like 18-year-old Peyton Grindon, the individual responsible for the, sh the shooting in Buffalo, New York last spring, who was referred to as a teenager on the news when the, when the media addressed his crimes against black shoppers. In contrast, black victims like of police brutality like 18-year-old Michael Brown Jr. are treated and viewed as an adult, either consciously or unconsciously, unconsciously in the case of Michael Brown Jr. This treatment resulted in his death. People create these biases in their subconscious through their negative interpretations of experiences with people of color, especially black people. And I still are not immune to this reality. Black students, along with students with disabilities are disproportionately punished at a higher rate than their white counterparts. The 2020 Arnold Family versus Barber Hill Independent School District court case highlights this experience. In this case, Black students KB and DeAndre attend a school that had hair policies that were meant to be followed by all male students. No matter how much they tried to make sure the policies were being followed by doing things like pulling their locks back with hair ties to ensure that their hair did not extend beyond a certain length. 
Assistant Principal Ryan Rodriguez removed KB from class at least once per week to ensure his locks complied with the hair policy. This created the feeling of being targeted simply because he was a black student. Black students were three times more likely than the white peers to lose at least one day of instruction related to hair instruction to hair related in school suspension. And this case serves as an example of how I believe the policies of House Bill 188 will be enacted. The effects of having to undergo a harsher punishment can be detrimental when thinking about a student's grades, severely putting the student punishment at a disadvantage. This, this will affect NC school students at large, seeing as over 50% of NC, school, NC public school students are students of color as of 2020. Students of color will be put in a position when their violations may be exaggerated, subjecting them to being punished severely at a higher rate at a higher rate due to the conscious and unconscious biases of people in said position of power. Is this a life we envision for the future, for our children? It's important to highlight, it's important to spotlight Bill 188 and its, potentials for, and its potential uses for evil. We need a society where students are safe and fully allowed to learn and experience without being exploited and tyrannized. I do not want to envision a future where most school students of color have experienced or know people that have experienced harsher punishments than white students. Next, we have Aiden McCulloch. Aiden? All right, hi, my name is Aiden McCulloch. I'm a senior at Orange High School, and I wrote a article on House Bill 187 titled it, How House Bill 187 Will Affect Social Studies Classes Through a Student's Lens. There are only a few classes in my high school career that I can say I've extremely enjoyed. One of these classes being African-American studies, which I took last semester. Initially, I chose this class to learn more about different cultures. I've always wanted to do this as I believe that it would allow me to gain better empathy with people of different backgrounds. As soon as I stepped into the class, I noticed that this was the most diverse class that I've ever had in my high school career. As the semester progressed, I could tell that everyone felt comfortable with being themselves in this classroom space. And no matter who you were or how you looked, everyone treated you with the respect that every human being deserves. We had meaningful conversations about racism and other real world problems where multiple points of view were shared by students with completely different backgrounds. I took a lot away from this class as the classroom discussions were immensely thought provoking. Recently, Republicans have proposed House Bill 187, which would eliminate history topics uncomfortable, such as discussions of racism and sexism. Bill 187 seems as though it could affect some of the elements that made my African-American studies class so enjoyable. I understand that House Bill 187's short title is Equality in Education, but I believe that the bill actually provides students with the opposite of that. When I think of equality in education for all students, I think of us learning about the good and ugly parts of history. Take slavery, for example. This is a very ugly part of history, but it is crucial to learn as this material can lead you to better understanding systemic racism. None of my other classes taught me why slavery actually occurred, why only people of color were slaves. I was unaware of how slave masters used racial identity to selfishly benefit of, off of minorities and leave them with nothing in return. But when I was brought all this new knowledge, I gained a thorough understanding of why these past events occurred and also why this, there's this racial inequity in the present day. Bill 187 would limit the teaching of these materials, 
the same materials that all students should have equal right to being educated on. Many Republican politicians say that this classroom material makes students feel uncomfortable, especially white students, as they could feel guilty about these past events. As a white student, I have never personally felt any of these feelings when discussing racism in class. It is important to note that learning this history will make us overall better and more informed human beings. Learning this information can lead us to understand the deeply rooted problems that exist in the world around us. These key takeaways outweigh the feelings of initial discomfort that one may feel when they start learning about this salient history. If this bill is passed, I would be worried that students would not get the full story of racism. Students would go through these classes unaware of this important information as Bill 187 would slip it under the rug. In her nationwide campaign to illuminate the injustice of American lynchings in the South, Ida B. Wells once said, the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. As a society, being aware of these harsh and unfair realities is how we can do away with the lingering racial problems in our world. Learning these things in an open and inviting classroom is something I can say that I've extremely been happy to experience. That, wait. Learning about these things in an open and inviting classroom is something I can say that I've been truly happy to experience. I have gained new friends and I have had mean, many meaningful interactions with classmates. Bill 187 insinuates that the exact opposite of this is occurring in regular world and American history classes. This would make teachings of this material illegal in classes that aren't considered cultural studies. For me, African-American studies not only taught us important current and past events, but it was a, play, a space where students could be one, a place where differences could be celebrated and where love for oneself could be shared. My class was a community in its truest sense. Bill 187 would set walls between students, mow over important teachings by planning these new rules, destroying the blossoming classroom landscape that I was so lucky to be a part of. Next, we will hear from Le'Veon Lewis. Hello, my name is Le'Veon Lewis. I'm a senior at Orange High School. And recently I've read an opinion piece about House Bill 187 titled, America's Goal for Education Revealed, a Smokescreen for White Fragility. With laws historically favoring the white demographic of our country, will House Bill 187 strip our black and brown youth from an unbiased, anti-racist education? One of my fondest memories from my childhood is riding home from school in my mother's 05 Honda Accord. Music from Miles' behavior would gracefully fall upon my ears as I communicated the best parts of my day. Music became a big part of my childhood. My mother played music by Lauryn Hill and Jill Scott, while my father played music from Jeezy and Jay-Z. Their lyrics were words of affirmation that made me proud to be Black. As I got older, I developed an even greater appreciation for the Black culture my parents exposed me to because it helped me shape my own identity as a Black kid. But as a kid, I didn't understand what it meant to be Black. I knew there was an unfair stigma directed towards us. I knew there were people who were hunted because of the same dark pigmentation that I share. However, I couldn't wrap my premature mind about, around why racial groups were treated differently. I would watch monochromatic media and feel as if we as a nation had moved past our racist history. It wasn't until 2012, the year that Trayvon Martin was unjustly murdered by the hands of George Zimmerman, when I realized the hunt for my culture and his people didn't wash away with the introduction of colored television. At age seven, I began to understand the extreme consequences of being black. Thankfully, my parents did a great job of reassuring my love for its skin and its complexion. 
Racial tension stems from both conscious and unconscious perception of people we are afraid to acknowledge. For Black Americans, our humanity was forcefully stolen through slavery. Still, through centuries of physical and psychological abuse, there has been no attempt to restore the way Black Americans are represented in the American psyche. The effects have dehumanized the perception of Black Americans, deeming us inferior to other people. These tensions feel fixated and unable to be overthrown. However, the this ongoing issue relies on our school systems. It can be achieved through the means of education. Regardless of material, education has been and will continue to be the main component to an ideal society that recognizes and acts upon the issues between all people. However, one must have access to a painfully true yet necessary teaching of history that relates to their own personal positioning in this country. The cultural appreciation my parents worked so hard to firmly establish in me was destroyed during middle school. Around this time was when I learned the code switch. Code switching is the adjustment of one's style of speech, appearance, or overall self-expression for the purpose of fitting into a demographic that is different from their usual environment. This wasn't my attempt to fit into the white demographic, but an attempt to survive amongst the group of people who would exclude me if not. My code switching stemmed from the lack of attention black and brown students were given in the history that I was learning. I started to feel as if there had to be a reason why I only learned about traumatizing inhumane acts regarding black people in American history. It wasn't until my 10th grade year, better known as the year of quarantining, where I learned an in-depth account of black history in America. I read, I listened, I dreadfully felt the history of black Americans through my own research and learning. It was all information that our school system failed to teach. Transitioning into my junior year, I had the opportunity to take an honest level African-American history class taught by a black man at a predominantly white school led by black principals. It, was, it all felt extremely surreal in comparison to my previous experiences in school. I didn't know at the time, but this class would lead me to a land of self-appreciation via education. In African-American history, we learned unbiased information pertaining to black Americans pre-slavery that later leads to principles our country still enforces to this day. The teaching of black history did two very important things for us as students. The first being the destruction of ignorant beliefs about black Americans. The second being the achieved communication between black and white students of race and racism. For the first time, the material we learned re represented black people as human. For both black and white students, there are misconceptions about black people that may not be intentionally ignorant, but nevertheless contribute to the plight of black Americans. We read literature written by previously enslaved people, and as our brain made space for a newer, much more ideal representation of black people, black, brown, and white students started to communicate fearlessly. Where we once spoke so timidly, so cautiously with each other, was now a community of young adults excited to share their insight on history. We created a space of accountability and love through the means of education. House Bill 187 will destroy the foundation of communication that we students work so hard to build. At face value, the bill claims to recognize the equality and rights of all persons in schools. However, banning the teaching of an unbiased, anti-racist education is an act of discrimination in itself. This is not an act of protecting all persons. This is an act of protecting our nation's white fragility. In short, white fragility is the defensive reaction white people tend to occupy when confronted with broader ideas of race from a universal outlook. Unfortunately, White fragility has been an issue that people of color have had to give precedence to for centuries. Just as we began to make headway towards a socially aware society, our state legislature decided to take that away. All the heartfelt conversations, all the relations built between completely different individuals, it will all be washed away through the introduction of House Bill 187. I'm left with many questions and concerns regarding the focus of our leaders. Though I am reaching my, the end of my 12 years of education, I feel for the following generation of students who will miss out on the opportunities this class has brought me. For the black and brown students who feel out of place and unimportant while attending school, 
House Bill 187 will reassure their pre-existing feelings of imposter syndrome and neglect of identity. For the white students who hear ignorant and biased accounts of history at home, House Bill 187 will serve as an echo chamber for white fragility and strip away the need to understand the people who they share this country with. And to our state legislator who have yet to understand the negative impact of this bill, I'd like to say my piece. Black history is not a chapter in American history. It is at the foundation. Without a fixed foundation, our country will remain insecure and unsteady. The Black American has had no true reconstruction here. We have yet to see a true attempt to restore our humanity. House Bill 187 is proof that our nation is dying in need of education. Without it, we contribute to the cycle of ignorance that can only be stopped through the means of teaching an unbiased anti-racist education. We are so pleased to be joined by our educators and our students today. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.